Good morning. I want to greet each one in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I got a bit of a frog in my throat. I'm just going to take a drink quicker. Good to see each one here this morning. I'm going to give a welcome to our visitors also. So six weeks ago, I think it was, around there, I wrapped up the study on Hebrews. So I was thinking about what to look into next. I decided to go to... Um, the Old Testament, and look at the book of Daniel. And um, some of you may wonder, what is there in there that we can learn from today? And it's actually a quite interesting book. Um, Most of it revolves around the one man, the book that was named after Daniel, but who was he? What made him the man that would be known for surviving the lion's den, telling prophecies, and we'll look at a number of other things. We know that he was a Jewish boy raised in Israel, uh, most likely from an upper class Family, because of what we'll look at here in the first few verses of Daniel 1, because that was the type of people that they took into exile. I don't know that there's any record of the rest of his family, but most likely some of his family, some of his friends were probably killed during the siege of Jerusalem. And most likely some of the survivors were left behind in Israel while he was taken to Babylon. So let's read the first three verses of Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried in the land of Shinar to the house of his God, And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and the princes. So there we would get the idea that Daniel was not just from any family, but from the upper class, the educated. What led to this event? Why was Jerusalem besieged? And I'm not going to take the time to look at all the passages, but I think we know that when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt through the 40 years in the wilderness, and then he brought them across the Jordan into the land of promise, he he warned them that they should be careful that they not forsake him. And if they would, that there would be consequences for that. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. Much of the book of Jeremiah covers the prophecies, the 
promise of God to that even though he was going to send them into captivity for their sin, for their falling away, there would also be an end to it. Sort of like when a loving father says to a disobedient child, I'm going to punish you, but it's only for this certain amount of time. And then after that, I'm hoping that our relationship can be restored, that your obedience will be restored. Jeremiah 29, verse 1. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jacona, king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. So once again here we see all the people that were taken. It wasn't just a few men. It wasn't just some princes. But the king, the queen, eunuchs, princes, carpenters, smiths, a lot of valuable people, those who would have helped rebuild Jerusalem, were taken out. And I think there was a reason for that. Nebuchadnezzar didn't want Jerusalem rebuilding and becoming a strong city again. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, and to all that, were, that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof ye shall have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye have caused to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after seven, seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will, will visit you and perform my good word toward you, in causing you to, re, to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I have, that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, that ye shall call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations, and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again unto the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Because ye have said, The Lord hath raised us up prophets in Babylon. Know that thus saith the Lord of the king that sitteth upon the throne of David and of all the people that dwelleth in the city and of your brethren that are not gone forth with you into captivity. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send upon them the sword and the famine and the pestilence and I will make them like vile figs and can, that cannot be eaten. They are so evil and I will persecute them with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and will deliver them to be removed of all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse, an astonishment, and a hissing, and a reproach among all the nations whither I have driven them, because they have not hearkened to my words, saith the Lord, which I sent unto them by my servants, 
the prophets, rising up early and sending them. But ye would not hear, saith the Lord. Hear ye therefore the word of the Lord, all ye of the captivity, whom I have sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. So here we see that I believe the idea was that there were people prophesying that they would only, the Jews would only be gone a short time and they would be able to come back to, to Jerusalem, to Israel. But through the prophet Jeremiah, God was saying, this is going to be 70 years that you're there. And he also warned them to be faithful to him, to return to him spiritually, to turn their hearts back to him. And if they did that, he would bring them back. But he also warned that there would be those who would not turn back to him. And the promise was not that they, they, they would not necessarily return to Israel. So there's, there's Daniel being taken off to captivity. I don't know at what point Daniel would have received this prophecy. But when he was taken, I mean, this sounds like this prophecy was given after they were already there. This verse 11 I wanted to point out too is often used, often put on plaques in our houses. But this, this specific verse was given to the Jews in captivity, not necessarily to us. I think there's some truths there that we can learn from. But this was given to those that were in captivity. So they could understand that God was not sending them into captivity because he hated them, because he wanted to destroy them. But he did it because he loved them and he wanted to draw them back to him. And so he was saying, you know, I didn't do this to harm you. I did this to help you. Just as a loving parent disciplines a child to draw them back to them, to bring them into obedience. Now back to Daniel. How long of a journey was this from Jerusalem to Babylon? It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 miles um, we don't know exactly the path they would have taken, but about the shortest path would have been about seven to 800 miles. <clears throat> Babylon is located about, I'm giving rough figures here, but 100 miles south of Baghdad, Iraq. If they traveled 18 to 20 miles a day, which it all depends on the age of the people and what shape they were in, it would have taken at least six weeks of journeying. I can imagine that some people may have died along the way, but God protected Daniel and his friends and they arrived in Babylon. Now I'd like to pick up at verse, uh, back to Daniel 1, uh, pick up at verse 4. It says, Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. <clears throat> For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, 
of Meshach and to Azariah, Abednego. And we're going to stop there. So Daniel had no promise when he went to Babylon that he would ever be able to return to Israel. He had no promise of ever being able to see his family again. To make that reality sink in even deeper, he was given a new name. Now what did that imply? I believe it meant he was to assimilate. He was to move his loyalties from Israel, from Jerusalem to Babylon. Getting a new name meant he should forget about his family, his lineage, his friends, his religion, and especially his God. I try to put myself into Daniel's shoes. It's hard to do that. But I would hope that I would have been faithful and as righteous as he was. I hope each one of us would be. But it was an extremely difficult situation and we'll continue it <clears throat> verse 8 but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself now God had brought Daniel into favor and a tender love with the prince of the eunuchs and the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzer, the prince of the eunuchs, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove my servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them drink, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon. Before they, before thee, and the promptness of the children, I eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. We just looked at, we just talked about what all Daniel had gone through up to this point. What do you think was going through his mind? I'm sure Satan was trying to tempt him. You know what? You're hundreds of miles from your home. You'll probably never return. Why not just give in? Why not just eat and drink what the king has put before you? Not only that, we may look at it, well, you know, well, he might get in trouble with the king. But getting in trouble with the king back then was much different than us maybe looking funny when we refused to participate and drink and do what others around us do in our communities here. Even if we would go to a city and they're doing their things there, maybe they wouldn't even do around here, and we don't participate. Typically, though, our lives would not be on the line the way it was for Daniel. Daniel could lose his head for even asking for this. And yet, it was worth that to him. He was a stranger in a strange land. 
with basically no support around him except for his friends. They were young, and yet they were willing to risk their lives to be obedient to God. We could think, well, that maybe Daniel would have just lost his position in the palace. Maybe he would have just become a slave. But I, I think it could have been much, much worse than that. How can we make application to this today in our culture and society as it pressures us to fit in, to simulate, to become like it? Are we willing to stand? Are we willing to hold biblical truth in our lives or are we just giving in to those things we need to be careful that we don't just give in to the world around us but to be like Daniel to stand I've uh, don't take this in a political way it's not, it's not a political statement this morning but I've wanted to go to our government the way Daniel went to them and I realize it's not the same but I've wanted to go to the government and say well just um, in, in the case of taking the shot just let me be the test like Daniel and his friends and come back in 10 months 10 years and see what the difference is I understand it's different we don't have a biblical command to do or to not to do the way they did in the Old Testament. It is different. The Old Test, the New Testament doesn't have dietary restrictions as the Old Testament did. But I believe as believers, we're still responsible for what we put into our bodies. What if we feel that God is calling us not to eat or drink certain things? As some groups do, you're not allowed to have caffeine. Um, other groups take other foods. If we feel that God is calling us to it I think it's important that we be obedient because we are uh, 1 Corinthians you can turn with me or you don't have to but 1 Corinthians 3 16 and 17 know you not that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwell within you and if any man defile the temple of God him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy which temple ye are I believe this is speaking mostly of spiritual things, that we should not defile our bodies with sin. And that is extremely important. But we also, I think, should be careful about what we take in. We shouldn't abuse our bodies. We shouldn't just take it for granted that we can take, do drugs, smoke, eat, drink, things that are not healthy, and expect that we we'll never have to answer to God for those things. We do need to be careful. So even though we're not living under the Old Testament dietary laws, I do believe we can take an example from that of not just doing whatever the world around us is doing, but to be careful. Another where area might be sleep. Do we get a proper amount of sleep? Do we take care of ourselves health-wise? This doesn't necessarily mean we have to be a health nut, exercising all the time in perfect shape. But we do need to honor the, our bodies because God does dwell in it through the Holy Spirit. Because getting enough sleep, eating properly, can affect how we think, how we, um, 
our ability to think through things clearly, which in, a, in the end could have an effect on our walk with God if we're not able to think clearly through things. And then moving on, I want to look at the last verses there of chapter 1 of Daniel, verse 15. At the end of the ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzer took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, the kings had said that he should bring them in. Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king commanded with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all manners of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. And Daniel continued even under the first year of King Cyrus. Now, I don't believe that the reason that Daniel and his friends were ten times wiser was because of the food, just because of the food they ate. Because it says here that the the man over the young princes, young wise men or whatever, he even forced the others to eat this food and the Jewish diet. Can you imagine how happy they were with Daniel at that point? I would imagine that Daniel really heard it then. Not just only was he refusing to eat what was considered sumptuous and amazing food, but now he had caused all the other young men to have to eat the less desirable food, the healthier food, But God blessed them. And I think that the same can be true for us. If we take care of ourselves, not only physically, emotionally, spiritually, that those around us will notice it. It will make a difference. You've probably seen people that have been heavily into drugs, alcohol, and other unhealthy things in their life. And it can take 5, 10, even 20 years off their life. See somebody and you think they're 70 years old, you find out they're only 50. And so even though we're not under the Old Testament dietary laws, there are truths there that are true even today. But what led to Daniel and his friends being 10 times wiser? I don't know how you, I don't know how they judged that. They had a test or or if it was just more of a ballpark thing. And how does that apply to us today? Well, I believe that taking care of ourselves, walking with God, having a relationship with Him will make a difference in our wisdom, not necessarily worldly wisdom, but in common sense and in having the ability to reason through whether something is true or not comes from walking with God and studying his word. If we allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and transform us, we may not become a doctor or an engineer. Probably most of us won't. But I believe it will give us 
a greater understanding of what is true. As we've gone through the last year, I believe it's proved that walking with God has helped give us a greater ability to deal with some of the things that um, came up in the last year. Not saying that only Christians were able to get through, obviously not. But I believe the peace that comes from God can help us through those difficult times to not panic, to not make irrational decisions. It doesn't mean there aren't things that are hard for us as believers. There have been times in the last year that it'd be easier just to throw in the towel. It'd be nice to go back to normal, right, as they say. But yet, with God in our lives, he can help us through those things. Because compared to Daniel, what have we really gone through? But what allowed Daniel, and we'll we'll dive into it as we go through the book of Daniel, look more into his life. But what gave him the strength to be faithful to God, living in a strange land, being ruled by a godless ruler, or a, a, a ruler that believed in false gods? What gave him the strength to be faithful even when it it put his life on the line? And I believe that came from, uh, don't have to turn with me, but Philippians 4.7 says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I believe it's God's peace in Daniel's life because he was faithful, because he was obedient to God. As we'll look at later, he prayed to God regularly. That gave him a peace and a strength to go through all those difficult things. And the same can be true to us. No matter what difficult things God will take us through in the next year, the next 10 years, the rest of our life, we can have hope and confidence that if he was able to take Daniel through, He can take us through it also. The Lord bless you.